watching all movies with Rebecca and Jason. Are you gonna love them or hate them? Here comes the binge. Hey everybody, welcome to the Binge Movie Podcast, in which a couple of homos review the latest movie theater releases. I'm Jason Leroy. And I'm Rebecca Larte, and today we're going to take a look at four movies. Doctor Strange, Trolls, Gimme Danger, and Tower. And as always, we're going to rate these movies on a three-tiered scale, with Binge It being the highest rating. Consume in moderation means it's okay, but it's kind of meh. And send it back means... Life is too short for that mess. And you know what else is uh, is too short for that mess? Is The election uh, cycle. It should be longer. I agree. I agree. Uh, I, I, I think that it should be a multi-year. Actually, it was a multi-year thing. It was a multi-year so. thing. And people are already talking about 2020. So here we are. Sorry, uh, I interrupted you. That's okay. You know, I wasn't really going anywhere with that. Um, and uh, this is our final uh, ep- new episode prior to the election. Uh, oh, the so, old world. Yes, this is this is this is the more. I don't know if this is the more innocent world, or it depends. It depends on what happens. Our innocence was lost. That's yeah. Um, a while ago, probably. I mean, I definitely still you know identify strongly with the Jewel song. I'm sensitive. Mm. Um, so innocence or not, I am sensitive, and I think stay this way, as Ms. Kilcher would say. But uh, this is this is yeah. So clearly, we've 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 just kind of uh, uh, this is the last podcast that we'll be doing where we are still in the midst of election mania. So please forgive us any hiccups <laughs> because our brains are fried because it's the weekend before and nobody knows what's happening. You'll know next week when our election will still say queer ass or won't. <laughs> yes, we're all going to go back into the closet <laughs> into hiding. <laughs> This and is an official state podcast. Exactly. This is whenever it switches over to uh, your favorite married couple, Jason and Rebecca, <laughs> weighing in. Um, oh, but, you know, why does my beard have to be so old, loud? Just the old ball and chain, <laughs> the old beard and chain. Uh, so, but anyway, uh, let's let's switch it up, and I'll I'll ask you first, Rebecca. What is up with you? Um, I was just in LA for work, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, Tinseltown, mm-hmm. where where the sausage is made, as right. you like to say. <laughs> so <laughs> you were there how, making sausage, but where? Right. Sure. Um, and it's always nice to be there. It's always so pleasant. I, I stayed in a hotel that was uh, a block from the ocean. Oh. Uh, it was very um, refreshing. Could you see the ocean from your window? I could, yeah, from my balcony. <gasps> from your balcony? I know, it was very Excuse fancy. Excuse me. Um, but it was great. I saw the Guillermo del Toro exhibit at, at LACMA, which was amazing. And I'm not really like um, into gothic and horror things. Or, that's not stuff I would keep in my house. Mm. And I can't imagine <laughs> <No>. <laughs> what his house situation is like. You I guys, did learn What that, about those gargoyles in your bedroom? Exactly. <laughs> they were always looking. Put little masks on them, little creeps. Um, I, I guess he has a house just for all of his things, all of his art and his collections of like macabre decorations. And then he has like a living house in LA that he has like with his family. He has just a dedicated scary shit house? Yeah, yeah. All right. And one of the things he has is it's called a rain room, and basically he likes to write in the rain, and um, it's like it's sim- like they're fake windows that simulate that, like it's always raining outside. Um, they have like these kind of like silicone things that like hit the window, and it sounds like thunder and, and now, lightning. Now, at what point in such a lengthy undertaking as conceptualizing and executing a rain room do you stop and think? Am I the worst? <laughs> or should I just leave LA? Am I insufferable? 
There are other houses, other places you could have a house that yeah. have real rain. Can you imagine? Days. That's 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 indulgent, but you know it it it, it manifests in in mostly good work. He uh, yeah he had like the the description was something like he had said that, it, that you know it's always inspired him to write and that um, your forties are when you're allowed to have the things you wanted when you were seven. So he had always he finally executed his dream of having a rain. Room. I feel like people say that at every age though. You're like this time it's about me. Time for <laughs> no, me to live you. out much. Oh is that, that <laughs> that's me? Just, you. just me. All right, sorry. <laughs> But there were some uh, beautiful drawings from uh, Hellboy and uh, Crimson Peak. They had the um, costumes from Crimson Peak. They had the eye monster from Pan's Labyrinth and the yeah. fauna. It was really, really a, an exciting uh, movie-related adventure. <laughs> it's a What's juicy up? description. Thank you. Uh, What's well, up with you? Well, first of all, what even was... Oh, what? I don't know what was his last movie. Why am I blanking? Crimson Peak. Was I? Oh, yeah, that's right. I was thinking when you said Crimson Peak, I was thinking Pacific Rim. Uh, because he also did that that victorian that, that was the last robot movie <laughs> right crimson peak so i'm which gonna, we reviewed on the show we we did i'm going to go out on a limb here and say that guillermo del toro maybe has only made one great movie i think he said his three in the exhibit it said his three favorites were pan's labyrinth uh-huh devil's Cr- backbone and chronos and oh i'm sorry chronos De- and um and crimson peak right oh and crimson peak yeah. so devil's backbone wasn't in the top three no oh well, Crimson Peak was a shit stain, and uh, I think Kronos and Devil's Backbone are the kind of movies that are basically rendered pointless once you make a movie like Pan's Labyrinth, because mm-hmm, that fulfills mm-hmm. the he promise of those first two movies. Started strong. Um, so I feel like, I'm just going to say it, he's overrated. Oh, um, wow. I don't well, know why I'm coming in hot on this. How's but... your week? What's up with you? <laughs> I'm like, I'm so angry. I've been celebrating my anniversary. Overrated. Uh, <laughs> Uh, guys, uh, pivoting to what's been up with me, uh, this past week has been all about, um, Halloween and with Halloween every year comes my anniversary. Uh, and, uh, and the, the, the long suffering Mr. Wardle Roy is here with us in the show today. Welcome, Scott. Hi, Scott. Hello. Hello. Welcome. (laughs) Uh, so it's been, uh, it's been a long week of celebration for us because this is actually, um, this marks 10 years, uh, that we've been together. And we still together. And we still together. How do you do it? (laughs) A lot of drinking. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, so we, uh, you know, for Halloween this year, we did costumes from Stranger Things. I was Barb and Scott was Joyce. So we went to Oasis on Saturday night for the annual Mother slash Tranny Shack Halloween party, which is where we met at Wait, in 2006. the Mother slash what? Tranny Shack. Oh, Tranny Shack. Okay. Formerly Tranny Shack, now Mother. Um, and uh, It's a drag show just called Mother? Yeah, it's basically, well, you know, there used to be a weekly drag show, drag party called Tranny Shack, and then they changed the name to Mother. Uh, mm-hmm. so, uh, that's where we were with Peaches Christ and Heclina, and we were the first runner up in the costume contest. Wow. And so that was fun. Mm-hmm. Almost won. Almost won. We were a lovely first alternate. Who won? Um, some people dressed as, um, remember that Twilight Zone where you, the girl wakes up from the dream and she's in the hospital and everyone oh, has the pig, pig faces? faces? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there were two people dressed as, like, pig face doctors. Oh, um, nice. And they did the whole, like, black and white makeup, so it seemed yeah. like it was like, black oh. and white kind of, like... Uh, it was very good. It was they, actually really good. They deserve to win, yeah. even though Peach and Nicolina very kindly told us that we were robbed. Uh, <laughs> but uh, and then Monday night, Monday was our actual anniversary, and so we once again we wore our costumes to our respective jobs, and then we just went out <laughs> all night in the Castro, um, and where Scott was repeatedly asked if he was a Christmas tree um, <laughs> because while dressing as Joyce, he was wearing a hunter green jacket wrapped in Christmas lights. And I'm and, like, sure, why not? Yeah, <laughs> and I dressed as Barb was asked if I was Martha Stewart. It's Pat. 
or <laughs> Tootsie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was a fine night of being um, uh, not recognized, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that's been it's been a it's been a fine week of of celebrating our first decade together, mm. and also mm. and also like the only time that either of us will get even remotely um, I don't even know if sentimental is the word. I don't believe in talking about your relationship uh, publicly. <laughs> Being like, look at my relationship. I'm happy. I'm in love. I'm it's with like, someone. That happens in private. Yeah, exactly. That's for private talk. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, so this has been it's been it's been it's been a weird thing to be out there in these streets talking about being together for ten years, but it's a fine occasion, and I'm happy to welcome my 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 man of ten years to the podcast today to talk about our first movie. Uh, Doctor because Strange. Doctor Strange, because he is our resident Marvel expert, as you guys might remember from... Well, Deadpool's not Marvel, is it? It is Marvel, actually. It is Marvel. I always it's, get confused by yeah. that. So it's part of the X-Men franchise of Marvel, which right. is licensed by a different film studio. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not part of the Marvel film studios, but it is part of the Marvel comics. Oh, wait. So the film studios only own a portion of... They don't own all of Marvel or all of DC. It's like it's split up between different studios? Yeah, so what uh, Marvel did a while ago is they licensed out, um, before they had their own film studio, they licensed out sections of their comic book franchises to different studios. So Spider-Man is owned by Sony, Um, all the X-Men are owned by Fox, Fantastic Four is owned by Fox, and then they kind of kept their own Avengers kind of characters for their own. Mm. And then once they become a film studio, they've been trying to kind of get those characters back so they can make... Um, movies that combine all the characters. Ah, I see. So this is the kind of expertise that we bring Scott on for whenever we have these kinds of movies because Rebecca and I are just at a loss. Yeah, is it Marvel? Uh, yeah. Marvel? So we just watched this week's Mindy Project and there's a lot of hilarious like running jokes about like the just confusing world of Marvel and like the way that people who don't care are just like, I don't even know what this is. <laughs> uh, so I recommend that to our listeners. Uh, but yes, our first movie this week is Doctor Strange. Marvel's Doctor Strange follows the story of the talented neurosurgeon Dr. Stephen Strange, who after a tragic car accident must put ego aside and learn the secrets of a hidden world of mysticism and alternate dimensions. Based in New York City's Greenwich Village, Doctor Strange must act as an intermediary between the real world and what lies beyond, utilizing a vast array of metaphysical abilities and artifacts to protect the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You're a man looking at the world through a keyhole. You've spent your life trying to widen it. Your work saved the lives of thousands. What if I told you that reality is one of many? I don't believe in fairy tales about chakras or energy or the power of belief. You wonder what I see in your future? Possibility. I'm so glad you're here, Scott. I have so many questions about this movie. I'm happy to provide my nerd expertise. What Yay. is it about? <laughs> I'm going to throw that to Jason. <laughs> <laughs> and I bunt it back to you. <laughs> it's about the thing you just read. Uh, <laughs> it's about those things. Well, let's let, let's try to frame it as like, so where does this fit into the Marvel universe as we've seen it unfold in like the last year? Um, so what's unique about Doctor Strange is it really introduces the magic of Marvel. Um, So there's a set of characters that get their powers through either like magic or mysticism. And that's how they um, they help save the world. 
Um, so previous Marvel um, characters are either really based on either they're from another world, so they're kind of mm-hmm. foreign aliens. Mm-hmm. Or immigrants. Immigrants, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, or they're just kind of normal humans that are very, like, skilled with fighting. So that's, like, Black Widow kind of characters. Mm-hmm. Um, or they're aided by technology, like mm-hmm. Iron Man. Mm-hmm. That's where they get their strength from. Or they're kind of, like, a science experiment gone wrong. Ant-Man. Like Ant-Man, mm-hmm. Captain America. Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Look at that. <laughs> all, these tra- all these trailers you are going to be more than you head. think. Um, Butt-Man. But- <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sorry. It's Butt Boy. Butt Boy. Butt Boy. Yeah, yeah. Butt Boy. Who um, did Because I Got High? Afro Man? <laughs> <laughs> all these guys. Science experiments, one and all. Um, so a previous character in um, the Captain America movies of past years, uh, Wanda Sykes. No, not Wanda Sykes. <laughs> Science experiment. <laughs> We're going to cut that in post, we, right? we, all, we all know that Marvel character, Wanda Sykes. <laughs> Whose superpower is lesbian <laughs> hilarity? That well, came that, from... that one is the only one I can relate to. Yeah. <laughs> so you were saying? Tell me how Wanda Sykes ruined your childhood. <laughs> so okay. <laughs> so previous character yeah. in the past year um, has been Wanda Maximoff, who is the Scarlet Witch, mm-hmm. and she kind of uses Elizabeth magic Olsen. a little bit uh-huh. um, in, in like her kind of power set. Um, but this is really the first movie that's really focused on magic and uh, a character that uses that to help save people. Yes. And uh, and this is something that Marvel, would you say Marvel fans have been anticipating Doctor Strange making his, his film debut in the MCU? Yeah, I mean, I would say he's not a, a huge character, but he's pretty pretty popular. I'd say there's a, a subset of people that definitely have that. It's like one of their favorite characters. Um, but it isn't like a major character, like a Spider-Man or an Iron Man, like mm. a basic. Mm-hmm. Like a he's basic. not one of the primary colors of, of the of, mm-hmm. of, of the yeah, universe. Yeah, it's like a deep dig. It's like a deep cut, deep cut kind of. Yeah, I mean, in the movie is very. It's more nerdy, I would say, than most. It almost plays out entirely like a more overtly nerdy version of Iron Man. Uh, there's a lot of parallels in um, between the first Iron Man movie and this, just in terms of structure, in terms of character arc. Uh, because Doctor Strange starts off very much like a Tony Stark type. Um, he is a super rich, super wealthy, egomaniacal, narcissistic hotshot. Um, except for instead of being like an entrepreneur like Tony Stark, he is a doctor, you know, a, a neurologist, mm-hmm. as, a, as you read in your summary. So, um, and he's just like an asshole doctor who alienates everybody around him because he's a huge dick. And like House. Like House. <laughs> You're like, tell to me in House. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so he's kind of like House, but without the limp to make him, you know, endearing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then he kind of goes on this, he has a terrible car accident, um, that, uh, that takes away his ability to be a doctor and, um, and he can't accept that. And so he kind of sets off on this journey, uh, to, uh, he, he finds, he encounters a man who had a similar kind of like injury that took away his ability physically to, you know, sort of like be a fully functioning person. And this guy's like, oh, well, I had I achieved this kind of transcend you know transcendental state that gave me back these 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 basic human powers and so then Doctor Strange goes on this journey um across the world to meet this character the ancient one who's supposed to be able to like teach him these ways which is where we meet Tilda Swinton's character and this is where things get interesting what's the backstory here um on who this character is that she plays in the comic book world 
Um, so the character is called the Ancient One mm-hmm. and sort of is the leader or a very like ancient figure who is like an expert at magic and sorcery mm-hmm. and sort of has this sort of training center that helps train others in like the use of magic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and historically, it's been an Asian man. Mm. Um, and so... Does it take place in an Asian country? I the think, training center? I think in the comics, it's actually in Tibet. Okay. Um, but they switched it to Nepal for the movie. Hmm. Um, Interesting. Apparently not the same place. <laughs> <laughs> Which I learned. So. Yeah. Um, and so this is like one of the tricky parts of like, making it an uh, origin story of Doctor, Doctor Strange for this movie is that really the origin story is kind of very complicated and very problematic because mm-hmm. it's really it's like a white character going off to learn more about himself and the like, mystic arts from an Asian kind of character or setting. Sure, it's like an Ypre love sitch. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's, it's been mm-hmm. done in a lot of different ways and very like bad ways. So yeah. it's like in, like in Kill Bill, Uma Thurman goes off sure. to like, the, get trained mm-hmm. by a yeah. mystic Asian man. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a well-worn trope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I think um, their way of dealing with that, of uh, that could be a very problematic like setting or kind of situation was like, well, let's change the character's race and um, gender. So it's not quite so stereotypical, but then there's been a lot more kind of controversy on, well, then that's the sort of like whitewashing of this character who is an Asian man and um, uh, plays into the more of the history of like Hollywood whitewashing. Yes. um, Yeah. Yes. And I think that, you know, I mean, I think that the, the main controversy, the, the, if you say, if the question is, what is the problem people feel like this is brushing up against? The problem is lack of roles for Asian actors mm-hmm. in Hollywood. And so even though this role is, it ha- if it had been played by an Asian, 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 Asian actor, it would have been an incredibly stereotypical mm-hmm. and some would say regressive role. Mm-hmm. Um, the argument would still be like, well, but it's still a role. And it'd be a role in a major Marvel motion picture for an Asian actor that's now been taken away and given to... A white actor mm-hmm, um even mm-hmm. though there's still like there's still the gender bending so it's still a win in the sense that it's taking a male role and giving it to a woman and i think there's something about Tilda swinton that people think defies like race and gender and things because she's so androgynous she's so alien so they're thinking well Tilda swinton is you know i mean it's, you know they didn't give it to sandra bullock uh you know they they gave it to, <laughs> they, she like trips over the training center like, oh like, man <laughs> it's still trying to find love <laughs> It's like once this guy wakes up, yeah. <laughs> that's a quick while you're sleeping callback. Uh, keeping it fresh with the references. <laughs> I don't know. I don't keep up with her. Uh, you're like, why? What's she done since? <laughs> She's still acting. Uh, so I think that you know they're thinking like Tilda Swinton is such an otherworldly presence um, that they're like, okay, well, because when, I'll admit when I first heard it, I was like, oh, that's cool. They're taking this like stereotypical kind of like, you know, sensei samurai, you know, mystic role and giving it to Tilda Swinton. That's like cool casting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like the main issue remains just a lack of quality parts for Asian actors in Hollywood. And I don't think this would have necessarily been a quality part for an Asian actor in Hollywood. Sure. That's not, but that's not for me to say. Right. Um, you know, like I'm not the person being impacted by this. My community is not being impacted by this. Um, but uh, but with that said, you know, she is she's interesting. In the movie she doesn't pl- she she plays it very like benevolent. Very she does come across very wise. What did you think of her? I yeah, I thought she was funny, but very kind of like at very centered. I guess uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can see where he gets it from. Sure, yeah, uh, yeah. where he lear- learns his magic from. But uh-huh. I, I thought she was really good. 
Um, I, I thought she was really kind of just fun and engaging. And, yeah. Um, Is it a big role? It's a it's a pivotal yeah. role. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's definitely a pivotal role. And the thing, I mean, I think you know, this, the cast, this entire movie, kind of has that alien quality to them because Ben De Cumberbatch mm-hmm. uh, also mm-hmm. is you know a weird face gentleman, <laughs> uh, so uh, with inscrutable features that defy logic. Mm-hmm. So you know, so I think that, that that just speaks to sort of like the nerd bona fides of you know of of this movie. So it seems like the only way to sort of get around the two compromises the two options would be to like rework the story or have it come from mm-hmm. the ancient one's perspective and then see dr strange as more of the secondary character or, or see, interloper yeah that, that's where i see that, that could be like the that would have been a third option mm-hmm. but then that would have sort of alienated a lot of the comic book fans of like oh you're changing the source material you're mm-hmm. making this movie mm-hmm. um so I, I feel they had a bunch of bad options to yeah. choose from that yeah. makes sense uh, one character that is unquestionably regressive, though, is Rachel McAdams' character. Uh, she is uh, she's a love interest. Oh, she is another doctor at the hospital that Doctor Strange worked at, and she is just there to help him out in a pinch. Oh. Uh, so it's just, I mean, at the very you know, at least she is a fellow doctor. She's not a nurse, uh, but she is still just there to just help out whenever he needs her. Mm-hmm. Just you know, it's classic kind of one dimensional. But it wasn't really a love story, though. There wasn't really like love interest scenes between them, right? But there was. I mean, it was a plot. They had been yeah. together, yeah. And so she was like his, like you know, fiery ex who tells him the truth about himself. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but there still was not much more to her character than that. And um, you know, so that was that was not great. And uh, and it's it's weird that she's even in the movie. Uh, you know, Rachel McAdams. I think she's been the subject of so many think pieces about like Rachel McAdams. What even are you doing with your career? Uh, yeah. You know, what how, like what what even? It, it, there, there's no it's these roles that are just not worthy of her mm. um, are the ones that she keeps end up uh, you know getting stuck with. I just hope she gets that money off of this. Yeah, I is mean, this a character so. that will come up in future? Uh, it probably will. So it's based on a comic book character or um, a series of characters called the Night Nurse, who is like a doctor for superheroes. Oh. Uh, or like her character is related to that. Her that that is her character. Oh, she is the night nurse, so she is a nurse. Uh, but there's been like three different characters who <laughs> have played that role yeah. in the comics, and so this is okay. one of them. Um, strangely, also if you're uh, on the Netflix TV shows for Daredevil and Jessica Jones mm-hmm. and um, Luke Cage, Rosario Dawson is also playing the same character. Oh, that's the same character. It's a, it's a different name, but she's still like a nurse doctor that takes care of injured Interesting. superheroes. Interesting. So huh. they're both kind of playing the same sort of character from the comics. Well, and while we're talking about the whole universe, um, what is the plan going forward for where else we'll see? Now that Doctor Strange has been introduced mm-hmm. uh, very thoroughly in this movie, because this is very much your classic first movie introducing a character mm-hmm. origin story. Um, and uh, which, as I talked about when we reviewed Suicide Squad, is what that movie really lacked was yeah. um, was just trying to just give us like ten characters all at once with like just quick throwaway in, mm-hmm. in you know introductions. This is just your full classic Marvel origin story, and Doctor Strange is going to be involved in uh, in the universe in future outings. Yes. So the the next big kind of Avengers movie is called Infinity Wars, and that's where. Like the past 15, 20 Marvel movies have all been like leading toward of all these different kind of infinity stones being featured in different movies. There's one featured in Doctor Strange and there's a character called Thanos, which is gathering these six different infinity stones to basically control the universe. And so there's the series called Infinity Wars Mm -hmm. and that's what it's all kind of leading toward. 
and that comes out I think maybe two years. Um, mm-hmm. So it'll be Doctor Strange, it'll be Guardians of the Galaxy, it'll be all the Avengers, mm-hmm. it'll be Thor, Captain America, so, Iron Man, it'll so be the all first, of them. Everybody in one movie. Captain Marvel will be in it. Captain Marvel, right? Brie Larson. Mm. Captain Marvel that, is not Captain America. Correct. Yes. Okay. Uh, they just have right. similar ranks. Brie Larson and Chris Evans are not the same person. Okay. You are correct. Fair enough. You are correct. Uh, and then, so at the end of this movie, uh, in the post-credits uh, sequence, we have Thor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Thor pops up. Is Doctor Strange going to be in Thor Ragnarok? I don't know. I know um, Hulk is going to be in Thor Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, I don't actually know if Doctor Strange is going to be in it or not. Okay. Um, but maybe it's it's a possibility now, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was definitely sort of a way to get um, Doctor Strange involved with the Avengers in general. Right. So right now, that's what Thor is on a mission to kind of find out what Thanos is doing with these Affinity Stones. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a lot of what Ragnarok is about. Right. And that'll lead up into the Infinity Wars Avenger movie. Because Thor was one of the only characters that was not in the last Captain America movie. Correct. Yes. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Thor and Hulk. Thor and Hulk were not because, in. They're the only ones that weren't in it. Because they are off filming their other movie. <laughs> right. Mm. Yes, to be directed by Taika Waititi, who did mm. Hunt for the Wilder People. Mm-hmm. Um, so this character in this movie, which which sort of fan is it for? I mean, it sounds like there's it's a lot of metaphysical and like parallel dimensions. So it's le- is it less like action um, style, like um, Iron Man type stuff? Or is it more like... Is it more thoughtful? Is it more philosophical? Um, it, it's definitely very visual heavy when they go into the alternate dimensions. Yes. Um, it's very like Inception-esque kind of uh, visuals. The visual like, effects are nuts in yeah. this movie. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's is worth... Is it 3D? It yes. is, yes. Um, so it's worth seeing just for the visuals because they actually really are pretty astounding. They're so inventive. Mm. Uh, I, I think this movie should win visual effects Oscar this year. The effects are so... Yeah, very trippy. This is it's a very kind of head trip kind of movie mm. overall. Uh, so yeah, the visuals are are very knockout. It definitely has that sort of like it does have philosophical, mystical elements to it. It's it's yeah, I would say it's the most cerebral of the Marvel movies overall. And like when the characters are kind of fighting, they're fighting with magic, mm-hmm. but the kind of the big kind of fight scene at the end, it's not one character overpowering another it's more kind of one power one character sort of like tricking or you being very clever and witty um mm-hmm. to kind of like win the battle mm-hmm. so it's a little bit of like a different kind of take hmm. i should also note that one of the uh ass kicking components of this movie is just a cape <laughs> which you know i mean finally they figure out how to like win over the gaze just have an actual <laughs> just a cape that is sentient and that can just like wrap itself around somebody's head until they can't fight anymore. Oh wow! That is a thing that happens in this movie, and it just tickled me. <laughs> I was happy about it. Uh, that capes are still getting good roles in Hollywood. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, which is one more role than? Well, no, because then there are. Uh, you know, it is still a, a fairly diverse cast. Chiwetel Ejiofor uh, has mm. a key supporting role. Uh, there is still there's an Asian actor whose name I don't know Benedict Wong Benedict Wong and plays a character called Wong hmm so, that's so, not BD which, Wong from no Law not Order. BD Wong you racist what, his name was Benjamin ben, Benedict oh Benedict yes there are two Benedicts in this movie there, well yeah there are two Benedicts in yeah. this movie so I didn't like, even oh, thought about which that which Benedict needs this coffee yeah is hey, it Benedict the, here uh, yeah. oh, the tall Benedict oh no brother yeah so, yeah it's like yeah exactly I was like white Benedict Ooh. yeah, yeah. Uh, what are you guys giving this one? Well, I'm going to say binge it just because of the visuals alone are, are pretty great. 
Um, and also it does sort of set up um, a kind of a key component of magic and alternate dimensions um, for future movies that they might explore in the Marvel Universe. It sounds like the alternate dimension thing is like gigantic. Like once you've sort of opened that can of worms in one thing, like how can anybody else's power kind of even work on that it, on, that, on those levels, I guess. And, and one thing that happens in the comics a lot is like they explore a certain kind of combination of characters and they kill people off. And um, but then they kind of explain it after the fact of like, oh, that was an alternate dimension. That doesn't actually affect the main kind of storyline. Hmm. And so I think it'll be interesting if they kind of follow that through with the movies. They've all been so interconnected. Mm-hmm. One event in one, you know, triggers something else in another. But they, they kind of have license now to say, like, oh, well, this movie was just a standalone alternate dimension. Mm. Whatever happened to that doesn't actually affect our main storyline. Mm-hmm. That's like some kids' rules right there. <laughs> uh, no, that's a do-over. I completely get to do that. Um, oh, oh, yeah, I had a quick question before I get yeah. your, your call, Jason. Is this? Uh, can you watch this movie if you haven't seen the other Marvel movies? Yes. So they definitely seem like I, I feel like I'm interested in this it's, one. I would say it's totally standalone. Go through the canon. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely very standalone. It's like an origin story. It's all kind of like new characters across the board. Mm-hmm. And so then, I, won't, I won't miss any events that have been triggered. Or no, no. Th- th- there'll be some references at the end um, and kind of throughout that'll like link There's, it up to the other movies, like the Infinity Stone the thing Infinity he was talking Stone about. Thing. But even me, as someone who's seen all the movies, I didn't catch that. I was like, what is that? I don't know. So. Bring out that cape. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. more cape. Yeah. <laughs> Who yelled that? I don't know. I agree though. Jason, what are you giving this one? I'm gonna give it a consume, but like a consume plus, uh, because you know it is. Uh, you know, it's very, it's very funny. It's very funny. There are some really unexpected um, New York Magazine called them almost vaudevillian jokes, Ooh. almost like some Marx Brothers type jokes, <laughs> uh, but that go down between Doctor Strange and the, the main villain, who's played by Mads Mikkelsen. And some very fierce, almost Bowie-esque eye makeup uh, yeah, that Scott was very, was very inspired by. I know. If, if I'd seen it like two weeks ago, that would have been my Halloween that costume. That would have been his look. Mm. And I would have been Barb by myself, which is the way Barb should be. But, <laughs> uh, so, but you know, it's just too, it's too formulaic and too similar to Iron Man um, and is too, like, kind of not great with its overall, the problematic source material, Scott pointed out, about being, this, you know, this, like this wealthy, powerful white guy who, like, gets various people to just help him out along mm-hmm. his journey to enlightenment and power. Uh, so that's not great. Um, but all in all, uh, well, I wanted to ask Scott also, mm-hmm. where would you rank this in the Marvel movies? Like overall, is this going to be, would this be in your top five best Marvel movies yet? I think so. Yeah. I, I wasn't actually a huge fan of a lot of the Iron Man movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've liked all the Avenger movies. I liked the Captain America movies. Yeah. The most recent one in particular. Was, yeah. I thought it was great. Yeah. Um, and, so of, I, and of course, Deadpool. And Deadpool. Um, but that's not Marvel MCU. That's, right. <laughs> that's other Marvel. That's Fox. So that's different. Yes. Um, Get with the program. He already explained this, Jason. <laughs> like, am, am, I, am I comparing the X-Men movies too or just the Marvel Come on. Sure. Right. MCU. MCU. Okay. okay. Um, I would say probably top, like maybe a, a good five. Hmm. I like the okay. Avengers, Captain America one's better, but I think this is the best kind of origin story than, that I've seen in a while. Better than the Thor movies, better than Hulk. Yes. I would... For all those, yes. Yeah, I would say so too. Yeah, I would definitely watch this before I watch any of the Thor movies or the Hulk movie again. Mm-hmm. Because of the cape. Because of the cape. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Scott. Your yeah. expertise is always welcome. Thank you. And it's always Yay. appreciated. Um, back to the bedroom with you. Okay. <laughs> well, bye. But uh, Doctor Strange. Well, bye. <laughs> Doctor Strange is out now and it's rated PG 13 for sci fi violence and action throughout. That brings us to our second movie, which is Trolls. After the Bergens invade Troll Village, Poppy, the happiest troll ever born, and the curmudgeonly Branch set off on a journey to rescue her friends. Cupcake? Branch, we just got attacked by a Bergen. A 
dragon. It took everybody. Dad! What's your plan? To rescue everyone and make it home safely. So you're going to scrapbook them to freedom. Solid burn, Branch. I got this feeling inside my bones. So this was a movie that we got out of bed on a Saturday morning to go watch um, mm-hmm. in the early afternoon. And I have to say, having to explain what I was doing to my friends and, and family and to myself was very weird. <laughs> to your um, therapist. To, my, yeah. <laughs> to your priest. Um, never been a fan of Trolls toys. Um, no. Don't really like bright colors. <laughs> Um, didn't uh, this... don't care for movies. <laughs> don't like Jason. Hate you. Yeah. Um, Hate this podcast. It's been. It was a weird day. Um, <laughs> Why do I live? What are my choices in life? <laughs> what have I done to myself? Um, it's this seemed to me like the biggest, um, cheesiest way to transition something into a money making thing mm-hmm. that had absolutely like to me like no relevance anymore, and it just seemed like it was just such a ploy such a such a baby ploy right um that said i laughed my ass off yes i cried a little bit i you i always do Mm -hmm. um i definitely left the movie like pretty jazzed and like pretty (laughs) jazzed about trolls for like the next couple of days like yeah i saw it it was pretty good like did you go ebay the fuck out some trolls (laughs) no 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 paraphernalia trolls uh will be Uh. in my house um but i was really really Pleasantly surprised. Yeah. When even were trolls at their peak as collectible toys? I think it was bef- before our time. Was it the 90s? I it was like the 70s. I remember in the 90s, I think maybe they had like, it was one of those oh, things brief where. brief resurgence? It, yeah, just like 90s nostalgia for the 70s. And then suddenly everybody wanted trolls with like the diamond belly button and all mm, those things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They weren't as big as like Beanie Babies. No, no, they weren't quite there. Um, and I, I, I wasn't even thinking about this as necessarily being a tie in, mm. you know, because it feels like such an archaic toy mm-hmm, yeah. that it didn't feel as crass i think um yeah. as like maybe like the angry birds movie for instance That's to cite true. to cite the polar opposite of this in terms of like how funny and entertaining yes it some similar wasn't. themes but <laughs> similar uh, themes uh in terms of yeah like warring communities and like a vulnerable innocent community being preyed upon and like a singular a predator um naysayer mm-hmm. worried oh, yeah. curmudgeon who's gonna tell everybody how things should be done and ends yep. up being sort of right the more i think about the more yeah it's really it a lot same, of parallels same, um same same this one turns around a little bit i think a little bit better um, oh yeah but in, in, and this one's actually funny, yeah, first yeah, of all. <laughs> sure. I mean, the the whole like questionable storyline of like, oh, this guy's telling everybody that he's right and nobody's mm-hmm. listening to him, but he like gets his, uh, isn't quite the same here. It, no. It doesn't have that. And plus, an Angry Birds movie, it felt weirdly politicized, I think we talked about at the time. It yes. felt very much like, cranky conservative guy is right. Yes, yeah. That's not how this felt. Mm-mm, no, there's definitely... It was about more about like a, more of like a loner. He's sort of a loner who's like turned off by the fact that he lives at fucking Burning Man. Yeah. <laughs> As we all would be, <laughs> yeah. It's it's a, he's a lot less um, of a, just like a general hater, and um, and he, they show his vulnerabilities. I think that pretty pretty clearly that make it a little bit more understandable. They like build him as more of a character, right? And he's so, voiced by Justin Timberlake. He is, which I also really enjoyed. I love. I'm not like a big Justin Timberlake fan. I don't really know many of his songs, but uh, Justin Timberlake on Saturday Night Live are some of my favorite episodes. I he think always he comes through. So funny. It's irritating how good he is on Saturday Night Live. He it's is. not fair. Yeah. Um. He, 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 subtle like physical movements. Mm-hmm. His delivery is amazing, and I think they really captured that with the animation as well. Like 
if I had didn't recognize it was Justin Timberlake by his voice, like the mannerisms of his character, right. I would, totally came through. That was really cool. Yeah, it's also funny that Justin Timberlake is the cranky misanthrope, and Anna Kendrick is like the cheerful Pollyanna. <laughs> <laughs> that feels like a reversal of sorts of the types they usually play. Uh, so Anna Kendrick does play the troll princess who leads her like nonstop twenty four seven Burning Man uh, community. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was wondering in this movie, like. <clears throat> Do kids know what raves are? It's like there's like their community is very rave like there's a lot of DJing and yeah. like dancing and like colors that we associate with raves and things like that. People covered trolls that appear to be nude covered in glitter. Yeah, yes. With with a with a weirdly accentuated naked ass also covered in <laughs> glitter. Yes, indeed. Uh so it, it's it, I do wonder that as well. Uh and it, I was reading some different uh, just like poll quotes about the movie from different critics and uh, somebody was talking about how it seems almost like a, a criticism of like blind naivety, mm, uh, naivete, yeah, yeah. and uh, and I was like, yes, that's what I liked about it. <laughs> As a hater of Burning Man and all things whimsical, uh, I was like, yes, these trolls have it coming uh, <laughs> because because they know that they are the prey. Mm-hmm, um, so mm-hmm. you know, as the film is beginning, we get this kind of prologue about how they mm-hmm. were led out of their bondage. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, like, 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 <laughs> like, like the Jews led by Moses before them. Uh, they're led out of bondage uh, and taken to a safe place where they would no longer be preyed upon by these enormous um, monster creatures called Bergens, which are ugly and big and which eat the trolls because they think it's the only thing that will make them happy. Um, so the trolls have gotten away. They've been away now for a generation and they just live a 24-7 party lifestyle. Uh, um, but that's like I mean it's supposed to be like in their nature is that these trolls are like so just full of happiness right that's what they do is like they party they dance they sing um, they just they bring poop, joy they cupcakes and glitter they do and, that happens. Um, and that's why they're so delicious to these Bergens is that once they right. eat them these these Bergens that don't ever experience happiness mm-hmm. get a moment of happiness right and I think that's one thing I really liked about the movie within the first 10 minutes um, you know it's very very clear visually and, and through the storyline like well actually it's not in the first moment you're not exactly sure who the bad guy is because you're like introduced to this mm-hmm. like baby Bergen character and right. even though he looks like, like a gross little monster he's also kind of cute um, and then you sort of learn that he's like part of the predator class and it, but immediately you're they're not you know like a one-dimensional bad guy like they want happiness their happiness comes at the expense of these trolls Mm -hmm. and so like immediately i don't know i was you know you're conflicted so it's not like very basic this is good and this is bad we also in the second half of the movie get a very uh humanized uh sympathetic working character who's voiced by zoe deschanel yes (laughs) yes. doing some very funny voice acting yes absolutely (laughs) she is well cast in the part (laughs) for better and worse for what that means for her personally Mm -hmm. Uh, so, but you know, and there's, there's another thing that you will get a lot of, um, if you're a Bergen and you want to eat these trolls is mid to late aughts electro pop. Yes. <laughs> uh, some interesting song choices in this, in this movie mm-hmm, with Justin Timberlake mm-hmm. acting as the producer of the music soundtrack. Uh, there is, if you listen to the trail, you'll hear there is a, um, there's a mashup of Move Your Feet by a junior senior mm-hmm. and D-A-N-C-E by Justice. Yes. <laughs> that Anna Kendrick performs toward the beginning of the film, mm-hmm. which were surprising song choices to yeah. me. Uh, it was really taking me back. It was taking me on a personal journey. <laughs> In addition, there are some original songs, which are pretty good. Yeah, there's, uh, there's some original songs that sort of um, mix together a very sort of overt musical theater uh, quality with more contemporary pop. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Uh, so there's that. And Anna Kendrick and, uh, is, of course, a, a very gifted uh, vocalist. Mm-hmm. And uh, Justin Timberlake does not sing until the very end of the movie, yeah. just so you guys know. Not to expect that any sooner, because that's his character arc. Uh, so then he comes through just at the end to do his huge kind of failed song of the summer entry. Um, mm, we yeah. can't stop the feeling. Is that yeah, what it's called? Yeah, I think that's called? what it is. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, he does eventually he does sing. start off with, um... Oh, that's right. The world's most literal ever use <laughs> of Cindy Lauper's true colors. <laughs> which made me cry. Which, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean... could not believe that was <laughs> happening. I mean, there you just in spite yourself. It was really good. It was a very impactful animated scene of it was. sadness. It did, and... it did feel very. It it did play the emotions well in that mm-hmm, scene. I'll mm-hmm. say I did feel that sense of like if I were a human, here's where I'd be crying. <laughs> okay. um, but I'm not, so I didn't. So uh, the humor in this movie is nonstop. Yeah, the pace of the humor is breakneck. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, gag a second, constant, constant, constant. Visual and. Uh, dialogue yes uh you know so it's definitely it's sort of like i think it would pass like the add test yeah like i think you know like <laughs> the add afflicted would not d- get distracted during this movie like mm-hmm. they there's things are happening so quickly at all at all moments uh which i guess is both a good and a bad thing because you know that just continually pushes everything more in that direction yeah. and wrecks everybody's attention spans but it makes for a very uh, quick, breezy, entertaining movie. Yeah, and once again, just to you know, compare it to Angry Birds, which was such a labored. The, the comedy was so labored, <sighs> and the pacing and timing was so off that, like, even though this is such a dram- uh, dramatically accelerated pace, it mm-hmm. delivers every time. Like, it does. Nothing, no, no joke doesn't work. Yeah. Um, which was uh, we were laughing like we crazy. were crazy and the, people. And the thing that surprised me, um, looking at kind of a roundup of different reviews of this, is how many critics are saying, "Oh, this is just for kids. This is not there's no way. N- there's nothing in this that adults will enjoy. This is purely a kids movie." I definitely came home saying, "This will never replace Emperor's New Groove." <laughs> right. Sure. But if what I could? want that movie that I'm like I'm gonna put on on a Saturday afternoon when mm-hmm. I'm feeling hungover or sick, th- this yeah. would make it on the list for sure. I would definitely yeah. not be bored with this again as an adult. Yeah. And it does have, just like Doctor Strange, it has really, really trippy visuals. Yeah. And it has like some acid trip type moments. And just in terms of like the the, the creatures that live in this alternate mm-hmm. world, not just the trolls and the Bergens, but like the in-between creatures, the other yeah. things in this, oh, in, yeah. in this entire ecosystem. There's some fucked up looking shit. Really creative too. Very um, creatively with The way they kind designed. of like fit into each other and come yeah. out of each other and like kind of fool you with what you think is like a plant, but it's like an animal and it's like yeah. very cool. And we generally get a little nervous when we see them handing out the 3D glasses. Oh, but yeah. I felt like this was a, a pretty chill 3D movie. It wasn't yeah. like, you know, aggressively in your face. And Oh, I just remembered that there is also the one troll with dreadlocks. There, oh, there is one troll with dreadlocks. <laughs> there is a black troll, guys. Yes, but these trolls are like orange and purple. They're like... Right. It, just, it just begs the question... by Ron Funches. Ron Funches. Ron Funches. Funches. Uh, it does beg the question of like, well, like, yeah, great, you know, in terms of like having a diverse voice cast, but like, why did the troll that had Ron Bunch's voice have to also have like these like dreadlocks and like a wacky hat? <laughs> it was very like good times. It felt very Jar Jar Banks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a little like, oh well, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but uh, but you know, I'm sure that they were well meaning and be like, well, let's let's not have every troll just be presumed white, right? You know, right. so uh, but I just remember like us looking at each other when that when he because he's doing like he's doing a voice, he is doing a voice, he's not doing his own Ron Funch's voice, which is much more kind of nasal. Uh, he's doing like a booming voice, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it is it's a little distracting, but 
Uh, that aside, uh, there are other messages uh, in the movie that uh, that, or that that you were really <laughs> struck by, Rebecca. Uh, we sort of left the movie thinking, like, what was the point here? Yeah, what is this movie even about? There was... There was... That's about a burning man is a terrible nightmare, and if you're preyed <laughs> upon, then you deserve it. But a lot of the... the so it's, the Bergens, you know, eat these trolls for happiness, and at the end, I, did, I mean, it's trolls, I'm going to give it away. Yeah. Um, basically, in, in their attempts to free their friends... Um, they've taught the Bergens that you are able to be happy without eating the trolls and that happiness is within all of you and yes. and you can achieve it on your own and, and you don't have to like pop trolls, if you will. So to me, the message was very like Scientology. You don't need prescription medication to be mm-hmm. happy. The, Anti-vaxxers. Very, yeah, very anti-vaxxer, very anti-psychiatry. Um, uh, mm-hmm. um but that's probably just me being crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is it is interesting that that is because I mean, as a message, inher- just the message itself that happiness is inside you. You don't need things. You don't need to like try to fill the hole with something to find happiness. Like tell it to my bartender. <laughs> it you know it doesn't uh, you know that message itself certainly doesn't suggest anyone doesn't suggest Scientology. But the fact that they are taking these very tiny things like yeah. I need to like pa- I need to swallow this really tiny little thing um, so that I can feel happy or else I'll just be depressed forever. Yeah, uh, and it's it did a little sort of like because like... oh, once Rebecca said that I could not see it thinking about the movie. <laughs> it was like the opposite of you know Inside Out where it's like oh yeah. sadness is a feeling and that's okay and like that's life and you just have to like it, it like sort of negates the idea of like just depression being um a fact of life yes um, uh which saying, was like, kind of weird yeah fix it fix it inside yourself uh which yeah is is not a, a great or helpful message no I, I think like in this extreme world where these bergens were and like yeah get, like it made sense within the story but if you try to apply it outside of the story it doesn't make any sense at all yeah it could be helpful. Uh, yeah, I mean, and to take things to a, a somewhat more emotional place, and something we were talking about off tape last week, in that New York Times article about Patton Oswalt, mm. uh, he says that the next day after his, or, or like a day or two after he had told his daughter that his wife had passed away, um, that she met, she cited, she mentioned Inside Out, and she said, well, I guess sadness is doing its job right now. Oh my God. Which... Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, like wow. it's like that movie was just 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 to bring it back to how which I think is how we as adults who are childless assumed we're like, well, we hope this would be a good tool for children. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to be able to under talk about their feelings. And and that's just you could not have a, a, no. a, a greater sort of validation of that movie's value and use and utility um, in helping kids understand it than that story, which is so heartbreaking and, and so great of him to share. Uh, absolutely so uh so yeah this is the, the the message of this movie is kind of bogus bullshit and it, it shouldn't have even tried to have yeah. a message <laughs> it should have just been you know goofy fun and just been about like oh the bergens are nihilists <laughs> you yeah. Know? Yeah. and they went in they're just natural predators there doesn't have to be a reason that something's your natural predator it just is that's the fucking <laughs> food chain yeah uh there's no reason uh you know it just is i mean uh, then there's utopia and then there's utopia with a whole different message which has a that. much more thoughtful message about about yeah predator and prey relationships uh, so this Man, is no kids s- movies. Yeah, they so will fuck you up these days. What are you giving trolls, Jason? Um, I'm gonna do consume, consume mm-hmm. moderation. Um, I mean, I can't say binge it. It's not gonna be like it's not a year end contender. <laughs> um, yeah. but it was extremely pleasant and entertaining. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. to watch, and I was pleasantly surprised, especially because you know I think you wake up these family movies, guys. When they screen them for the press here, it tends to be a Saturday morning at 11 a.m. 
And uh, and so we're already kind of like cranky <laughs> getting there because <laughs> we're like, I don't leave home and we got damn it. And and uh, but this was like, so we get we sit down and we're like, you better not suck. And we're waiting for it to suck. <laughs> and this was we were like, ha 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 enjoying it enjoying yeah. ourselves living life <laughs> i'll definitely i'll definitely watch it again yeah um I, i'm like i'm gonna have time to watch it today i still haven't <laughs> seen moonlight but i'm like should i see trolls again <laughs> well where are you gonna give it rebecca um i'm gonna give it a consume plus it's definitely I, I can't say binge it it's not life-changing yeah um I, if you have kids binge it um if you're sad <laughs> Which is the opposite of the thing in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not. A, it's not a go see a movie theaters well, if you're an adult. But when it comes out on video and you, there's a time, yeah. uh, you definitely well, consume plus. I think even if you are a sad adult, I think that you know, this movie is so innocuous that yeah. you know I don't yeah. think you're, you're not going to feel watching the movie unless you've just heard us and you're, you're going to be watching it with us in your in your head. Maybe you'll be like, "Fuck you, movie," you know. Uh, but uh, but I mean, I think if you're looking for just like goofy, fast paced, silly escapism, yeah, you're, you're going to get a lot of laughs out of this one. Yes, and sure. and Anna Kendrick and Justin Timberlake have a very funny uh, uh, chemistry, I'd say. Yeah, uh, as agree. voice actors, um, and it is out now trolls and it's a uh, rated pg for some mild rude humor um movie number three this week is gimme danger from acclaimed director jim jarmusch gimme danger is the first official full-length documentary about pioneering punk band the stooges and their iconic frontman iggy pop we are in an undisclosed location interrogating jim osterberg about the stooges the greatest rock and roll band ever Iggy and the Stooges reinvented music as we know it. We weren't like the other bands. A feeling come over you with this great sound that we're making. And sometimes I would just hammer on my guitar. I just started jumping up and down like baboons do before they're going to fight. As soon as I started doing that, Gimme Danger. It's not Gimme Shelter. Nope. Which uh, I have definitely written it as multiple times in my notes. <laughs> Oopsie daisy. Um, so here we have, this is the first first one. This official full-length documentary about the Stooges and Iggy Pop. Yes. Um, are you, were you very familiar with Iggy Pop and the Stooges before going into this? Uh, I think I was, you know, I, I was fairly familiar. Uh, you know, I'd say I'm more familiar with Iggy Pop's solo stuff than his stuff with the Stooges. Um, and Iggy Pop just as like a personality and sometime actor and just mm-hmm. general, Shirtless general, wonder. just freak icon. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, and and you should know that this movie does not even reference his solo stuff. Oh, okay. Um, it to- it completely skips over um, after the Stooges disband um, in like 1973 or thereabouts. Um, it does not it does not concern itself with anything that Iggy Pop did for the next like. 30 years or however long it was until they reunited. Uh, so this is really very much about the Stooges. It's very concerned with giving kind of equal voice to each member of the band. Oh, um, they do have members of each member of the band, two of whom um, have passed away, uh, passed away before the film came out. But oh, wow. it does have interviews with those members. And um, and one of whom, one member of which had passed away many years ago. Um, so they don't have as much from him. But, uh, uh, you know, it's it's uh, it, it was cool to see it the, the story more fully fleshed out mm-hmm. uh you know I've, I've read there's a great um sort of legendary oral history of punk rock called please kill me mm-hmm. by legs mcneil oh is this where she was like no maybe not go ahead uh and it's uh you know the the 
it talks about how, you know, the Stooges were kind of in, in some ways the beginning of punk, even though Iggy says in the trailer and in the film that, you know, he doesn't want to think of himself that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and the real, real beginning was the Velvet Underground. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is, you know, that's alluded to and acknowledged by Iggy in the movie uh, as saying, you know, he was working at a record store and he was just, you know, like he would find people who knew that record and they would just listen to it together. Um, because that was the first kind of, it was just so not anything else mm-hmm. on, this, on the scene. It had such a, uh, just a sort of a, a darkness uh, to it. And so, but the Stooges were just the Stooges. Uh, you know, like they kind of are, are, they're very unpretentious about what it was that they did mm-hmm. musically. They're like, we are dummies. <laughs> you know, like we, you know, <laughs> we, uh, you know, we, we didn't, we, we weren't great musicians. Uh, you know, we didn't, weren't necessarily great songwriters. Uh, you know, we kind of just like banged out three records and that was all we did. Hmm. And, uh, but just, it's one of those things where, you know, similar, just like with Maya Angelou, uh, <laughs> uh, where, you know, just, just the mere existence of Iggy Pop as this, like, just world-class freak of nature was enough to change culture forever. Right, right. Uh, because there's no one else even remotely like him, you know, and you can point to somebody like Mick Jagger, and be like, well, there's someone who's also, like, you know, very lithe and very, you know, like, snaky on stage, and mm-hmm. who's, who's hung in there, and... And, uh, but Iggy Pop is Iggy Pop and, uh, and there's, yeah, there's just no one else like him. And so it's cool to get so much backstory about their early years. Um, these formative years before Iggy Pop went off and, and, you know, moved to Berlin with David Bowie and, you know, put out all these very cool solo records Mm -hmm. and then just continued to be this, yeah, this, this freak show across all different channels of pop culture. Is it one of those like rock stories where it's all about like all the partying they did and all the like drinking and craziness? Not so much. Uh, it actually kind of leaves out some stuff, uh, and they definitely talk about like once they start to take you know dive into heroin use and and mm. uh, you know struggles they 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 had. Um, but you know, I feel like there are so many crazy Iggy stories out there mm. about him. You know, like taking broken glass and cutting himself on stage, and and you know the stars the scars that you can see on his chest in the present day interviews. You know, in the movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but they don't go into that stuff. Uh, it's like they're, it's really not a sensationalistic documentary. They're okay. not, they're not interested in like oh, and here's this crazy Iggy story. Here's this crazy Iggy story. They don't go into it. It's more about sort of like his overall character and you know nature as a front man and his relationship with other guys in the band. Um, so it's yeah and there's not like oh crazy groupie stories like there's 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 not that there is one uh, so as as a major like Velvet Underground fan myself and particularly of Nico there is a great story about Nico because Nico briefly kind of took an interest in Iggy and spent a lot of time around him and the Stooges for a period of time and she was kind of like living in their house with them in like Michigan mm-hmm. and uh, and just kind of like dating Iggy and then just like shit talking Lou Reed the whole time uh, so, but no, this is not about like, this is not about like old dudes who used to be cool bragging about how cool they used to be. That's, that's, that, that's not the vibe, um, at all of the movie. Um, is it, is that disappointing? It's not disappointing. The one thing I would say is disappointing about the movie is that, you know, so it's directed by Jim Jarmusch, mm-hmm. uh, who, you know, of course is sort of like one of the, the great figures of American independent film, um, for the last 30 plus years. And it's very good. It's very, uh, normal. It's a very mm. traditional, straightforward um, rock documentary. Um, the only things that are even remotely kind of, you know, auteurist about it are that it has some animated sequences. Um, oh, okay. So for some of the stories that they uh, that they tell, they'll have this animation playing out. Kind of like the Nirvana. Kirk yeah, like, like, yeah, like montage of hack a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. 
Um, so, but aside from that, it's just very much your straightforward, like, mix of, like, talking head interviews and archival footage and then some animated segments and... And that's 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 about it. And hmm. uh, you know, it's told basically as a linear narrative. It, it starts the prologue is is the Stooges as they're disbanding, and then it goes back to the beginning and mm-hmm. then tells you the whole story through to the end, and that's it. As if uh, as someone who isn't very familiar with Iggy Pop or the Stooges, is this something you would recommend as a way to catch up on the story? If you're interested, then it'd be a great way to catch up. If mm-hmm. you're not interested, there's no reason to watch this movie. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, anybody, this is a very much like Stooges 101. Um, it's also, as I said, to be clear, just about the Stooges. It's yeah. not about Iggy's solo pursuits at all, um, which is weird in that, because I mean, that's the majority of his career, mm-hmm. you know, like right. he has spent way more time as a solo artist than has he than he did in the Stooges. So in that way, it's almost like, a footnote for Iggy's entire uh, career, but those three Stooges records uh, are some of the most, you know, influential, seminal rock albums ever made. Mm-hmm. So this just takes you inside this kind of unforced, natural, raw energy, raw power, if you will, uh, that kind of led to those records being made by these dudes who were just like not necessarily um, musicians uh, mm. and, and, you know, creating not creating, but tapping into an attitude that would go on to define the punk movement at which they were kind of the forebears. Um, what are you going to give this one? Uh, I'm going to give it consume moderation. Uh, you know, it's a really, as a documentary, it's pretty straightforward and, uh, and traditional, which is something that Stooges and Iggy Pop and Jim Jarmusch are not. (laughs) So it's weird that they went in that direction with it. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, but I think it almost felt kind of like, just like a almost like a passion project for Jim Jarmusch because I think Iggy Pop mm. has been in his movies. Yeah, uh, I know he was in Coffee and Cigarettes. I mm-hmm. think at least, and uh, so I think it's probably just Jim Jarmusch being like, I want to make a you know while my buddy Iggy Pop is still around, I want to you yeah. know I mean he's gonna outlive us all, but uh, but he's mm-hmm. like you know let's just go ahead and get the story on tape, and yeah. that's what this movie feels like. Uh, that's so important. yeah, it's still it's it's great to have it preserved, and now it's been done by somebody who knows what he's talking about. And uh, so it's good to have it, but it's just it's just not remarkable as a as a movie. Uh, Gimme Danger out now and rated R for drug content and language. Speaking of anim- animated documentaries, yeah, that brings us to our last movie of the week, which is Tower. Nearly fifty years ago, a gunman rode the elevator to the twenty seventh floor of the University of Texas Tower and opened fire. Tower, an animated and action packed documentary, shares the untold story of that day when the worst in one man brought out the best in so many others. I was in Shakespeare class when it started, and we all ran to the windows of the English building. Everybody was in a state of panic. It was just chaos. It's like a battle scene. There are two different kinds of shots. Apparently, police are returning the fire down. My mission was to get into the tower. I can't make out what you're saying. You keep cutting down now. So I was getting some flashbacks of uh, Linklater's waking life when watching the trailer for this movie in that sort of animation style. The animation style is called rotoscoping. Rotoscoping, that's it. Yeah. Yes. It's like a 2D, 3D situation. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know the D's uh, of rotoscoping. But yeah, it is that thing of like, you know, where it looks like they've just taken actual footage of people and Mm -hmm. just kind of like inked over it. Yeah, exactly. Um, In Waking Life, I found it very jarring and made me very nauseous. Mm. How is it? How is it in this movie? Is it a little more chill? 
it's you know it's an interesting approach to tell the story you know so this is you know it's a very timely story this year it marks 50 years since this this shooting at the ut austin campus and in many ways this was sort of the first mass shooting mm-hmm. in in u.s history and now you know something that's come to become a massive plague that we're all all too aware of uh so you know to look back at a time when the country kind of first lost its innocence i mean in 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 many ways obviously the 60s we look back as as like sure. when america lost its innocence across every conceivable form but this was that in the 60s also contained yeah this first kind of just mass shooting by a troubled person who decided to just take a bunch of people out with him and uh so that's what happened on the campus and uh so to take that story and to render it in animation um is i would say it works more than it doesn't Really, it does not. It does not come across as as irreverent or disrespectful. Mm-hmm. Um, here's the thing that really bothered me in this movie. Okay, ooh, I'm so excited. Okay, so when you're first watching it, um, the whole thing is basically animated, including talking heads, um, and mm. the talking heads are animated as the characters. I shouldn't say characters as the people. Uh, these are these are witnesses, bystanders, some victims who survived. Um, they're animated as looking the way they did at the time as young people, and they also bring in voice actors to give them young voices. Oh, this really bothered me uh, because you're hearing so these. You're, but the tense of the actual interview was taken away after the interview itself was is taken away after the event. Yes. But it's as though these are present day, about it. These are present day interviews conducted oh, for the film. But they're, but they're saying it as though they're... They're having voice actors basically do dramatic readings of these interviews mm. from the present day perspective of the survivors of that day. And it is very distracting to hear voice actors saying these things that should have so much emotional power, right. but just don't because, like, for instance, one of the, the main... Um, the one of the main uh, surviving victims was this woman named Claire who had been who had been pregnant um, when she was shot. She was like the first victim, the first woman who was shot in the in the square. They have this voice actress who has like very contemporary vocal fry. Oh, and it is so awful to hear that stupid voice being like. And so, like, I couldn't even believe that this was happening. And it's uh, like, oh, fuck you. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I mean, I can't take that seriously. I cannot take that voice seriously. Hearing even these, like, contemporary male voices being like, and uh, so, yeah, I just kind of, you know, went up the tower. And... So that, I mean, it's like a completely complete mismatch. It completely like, mismatches with the gravity of, of these interviews by having these contemporary sounding voices um, you know, through animation, it was one layer of artifice too many for me. Yeah, to have yeah, the animation yeah. on top of a voice actor reading actual the actual words of an interview mm-hmm. that I couldn't get past. Fortunately, it only stays that way for the first half of the movie. About halfway through the movie, they surprise you by cutting to the actual um, survivors. And, you know, in their talking heads that they're doing. Animated or real? Real. Okay. So, um, and that's not the only real footage. They also have, like, some archival, they have archival footage from the day. Mm-hmm. They have some just general archival footage to suggest the era. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, and so then once they start to show the real people, you know, when they first start to show them, it does, there's a payoff in the sense that this whole time you've been imagining 
you're like, well, what was this per- is this person alive? Like, when was this done? And what, what would they look like now? Um, you know, and so then they they give you that payoff halfway through. But that doesn't change the fact that the whole first half of the movie, I was like, this is stupid. This is a stupid, <laughs> stupid gambit. Like, why not just show us these people from the very beginning? Like, they were, you had nothing to gain. Yeah. You just had these voice actors who are, it just doesn't work. Fundamentally, it doesn't work for that first half of the movie. Hmm. Um, so the movie is almost the story of the shooting in real time. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, the shooting lasted, I believe, a little over 90 minutes. The movie is about 90 minutes. And uh, so, and it is very tense in that sense, even though you have the animation factor that kind of makes you feel a little bit less immediately in, in the life or death stakes because you're looking at animation. Yeah. Is the animation like completely realistic or is it also like stylized and like, uh, like, does it mirror human movements? It does mirror human movements. Gravity and space and time. Yeah. It's meant, it's meant to be fairly, it's meant to be realistic looking. Well then why not just have real actors? I don't, Rotoscope, that's the one thing about Rotoscope that really bothers me. It's like, it's not fantastic enough to be charming animation or like interesting creative animation, but it's also like not human enough to be interesting as acting. It's like this little valley where I get so bored. It's like the candy valley. Um, But the opposite. Right. Well, I guess it's sort of the same. Yeah. Uh, the the one stylized thing that they do is um, whenever somebody's hit with a bullet, then they the whole screen goes red and they kind of like freeze for a second. Okay. Um, so uh, there are some other choices that are made in the film, such as they never they don't name the shooter or show the shooter uh, until the very end. Um, they never show him. They only have somebody mention his name in passing when they're talking about because ultimately the shooter was killed. Um, by Austin police as well as another man who was just like a a concerned citizen who joined the police. Um, And they mentioned his name. He had also, uh, I was like looking this up while I was watching the movie. I'm like, you know, who was this guy? What was his deal? I didn't know. He was only 25. He Mm. was like an engineering student because I was always an engineering student. (laughs) And uh, and he had killed his mother and his wife um, that same, that the night before. Wow. Uh, so uh, and in the end uh, they show like you know dedicate the film they list all the victims and they do list his mother and his wife yeah. even though they never mention him by name hmm. um, in the movie and it ends with a little uh, sort of uh, montage of, uh, of more high profile mass murders since mm-hmm. just to sort of drive home the point that like just tying the narrative together being like this is part of this same conversation so when you were talking about this movie, you had uh, mentioned something about there being s- some sort of Oscar questions around categorization uh, or something interesting. It was, it was, yeah. The Golden Globes refused to um, consider it in the um, animated film category, I believe. Oh, because or it, was a documentary. I think it was documentary because they don't have an animated film category at the Globe, so they do have best documentary. And this movie tried to submit itself as documentary, and they wouldn't have it. Oh, interesting. Um, so they were like, "Nope, sorry, this doesn't count as a documentary," um, which is weird. But that's you know, the Hollywood Foreign Press is nothing if not a shadowy, inexplicable organization. <laughs> do you think this movie has uh, awards? The it making of it awards could. Too? It could. I mean, it won a prize at. So I didn't realize, I didn't connect the dots at first, because I was looking at the, you know, the it's it's awards so far, you know, and it won the prize at South by Southwest. And, mm. and I was like, oh, well, that's cool, because that's, oh, just kidding, that's Austin. So, of course, it did. Oh, uh, yeah, sure. So, you know, homegrown story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it makes sense. It would be very impactful for that audience at South by. But, you know, it could... Uh, it's still, you know, once they start to get into, once they conclude the story, you know, there's still some very impactful, like they reunite that woman, Claire, um, with this man who had pulled her to safety. Oh, wow. 
Um, and so and there are there are stories of heroism, and the, the movie does stand as sort of a, a tribute to. It, it's a more it is it's more optimistic in a way. It is more a more inspirational uh, because as I mentioned, they never show the shooter. They never mm-hmm. mention him by name. They don't talk about his story. They're like, "Fuck that guy. We're not even going to talk about him." You know, it's about how people survived and then how heroes rose up and were and were born um, to, you know, to run in um, and and help. And even though it was just it could not have been a more exposed because it was just a wide open, you know, student courtyard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the guy had, you know, was just up in the clock tower and just had free pick of anybody in his path. Oh, wow. And people still chose to go in and, yeah. and try to pull people to, to safety. I mean, it's like higher learning. Just like higher learning, just, I was just watching um, Watch What Happens Live, and they had the cast of Almost Christmas on there. They had Monique, Gabrielle Union, and Omar Epps, and Andy Cohen asked Omar Epps um, how he would rate Tyra Banks' acting and higher learning on a scale of one to ten, <laughs> since, since he was her boyfriend. In that what movie. did he say? He, and it's funny because Gabrielle uh, Union and Monique both like turned to him and gave him like a very sharp side eye, <laughs> and he was like, "Why are you guys looking at me like that?" <laughs> and he's like, "I'd say she was a solid." seven <laughs> and, and and Gabrielle Union's like she died beautifully <laughs> spoiler alert for higher learning um what are you gonna give this movie Jason mm, you know I thought about making this the pick of the week um oh I'm surprised uh just because like I just comparing it just it's always on a curve you know pick of the week is always great in the curve of whatever else is coming out that week um but uh I don't know. I was just so turned off by that part of it, the first half of it. And That's I, huge. I would be lying to myself if I was just like, oh, well, it's okay. Like, no, it's not. That was a really poor choice. So I'm going to say consume moderation as well. Okay. Um, so no pick of the week this week. Bunch of consumes. Do you have um, the time? I swear, ne- next week, there's going to be a lot of great movies. Awesome. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, this week, all, all consumes from me. Um, Tower is not rated, and it is also out available now. That's our last movie of the week. Again, next week we have another action-packed uh, episode full of movies. Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to see Almost Christmas. No, no I am. Guys. I do feel bad about that. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what we can do. Yeah, well, you know, and we guys, you know, if you listen to our barbershop episode, you know that we kind Struggle. of have this ongoing conversation about like reviewing movies that are not, you know, that are clearly not made. And when I say not made for us, I don't mean. I just mean like this is an odd is we're not the target audience for these movies, so it's kind of mm-hmm. like our opinion and was even matter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Who cares? It's we a have very, to say very, it? very specific audience. I just want to see it. Yeah, I mean, like it does have a great cast. I mean, I forgot that Monique was in it. And then when yeah. I saw her on Watch Happens Live, I was like, oh shit, Damn. I want to see Monique. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, so next week we will not have that movie. We will have others, and then uh, it's just yeah, just ramping up every week with bigger and bigger movies as we close out the year. So exciting! In the meantime, if you want to hear what we have to say, you can follow us on Twitter. Jason is excess faggage and i am fight balance uh be sure to subscribe if you love the show on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts and thank you so much for listening bye bye binging on movies with rebecca and jason you made it to the end that's amazing there, there goes, goes the, the binge, binge.